this is, how many of y'all remember uh, at missions conference when we raised uh, the, the money to start a church planning training center in northern Nigeria? How many of y'all remember that? All right, this is the first set, this is the first set of, they're called Pauls, you know, they have Paul and Timothy and Titus, you know, Paul will be the church planner, he will be training his Timothy and so forth, how many of y'all know that? This is the first set of Pauls, this is the first set of uh, trainees that are going out, church planners in northern Nigeria, so can we give God praise and glory for that? It is awesome. Now, here's the, here's the bad deal. These people are being slaughtered. Uh, Solomon, Solomon is our TTI director, which is the Timothy Initiative. That's what TTI stands for, the Timothy Initiative. It's the church planning organization that we, that we work through that are, is our partners in doing this. And uh, Solomon's tribe, his people group, are being slaughtered by the hundreds. And he is having a really, really... I mean, I can't even describe the severity of what he's dealing with right now with family members being killed and the pressure to do what God's called him to do. And so I want to do this. I want to do this. Before we start, uh, this is a shorter lesson, theoretically. Uh, so I want to, I want to, I want let's just all who will just find a place in this altar. And there, there are partners. There are brothers and sisters in Christ. Did anybody, was anybody threatened with your life for coming to Bible study tonight? No, no. These people are risking their life to go to church. So can we come pray for them? Let's just find a place. Let's just find a place. And I'm going to have more details. I didn't get all the details that I need. I'm going to get some more and present it to everybody Sunday. But right now, I, I, I know what I need to know. And uh, so let's, let, let's just pray. Let's, let's, just, let's just pray. Let's just all gather together and pray. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And y'all, that's it. Y'all don't have to come all the way down here. Just find a place up there. And, and, and we're just going to pray. Let's just seek the Lord. And if you, can't, if you can't make it to the altar, that's fine. Just find a place right where you are and, and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we're praying as a church family. We're praying together for our brothers and sisters in Christ in northern Nigeria. Lord, we're praying for Solomon and we're calling his name out to you. And we're asking you to please encourage him. I pray that you'll give him peace and give him strength and give him wisdom. And Lord, I pray for each and every one of the church planners that's in this picture. That, that Lord, we have supported and we have put uh, the, the economic support behind it. God, I pray that you will touch them and keep them safe. I pray that you'll put a hedge about them. Lord, put a, put a hedge in such a way that, Lord, they will keep them from harm, that they may be able to spread your word and share the gospel to every person in every village they go to. Dear God, help us as we, as we do everything we can on our side. Help us as we give financial support and as we give our prayer support. Lord, they need us in a desperate, desperate way. And I pray that you'll fill them with power. I pray, God, that you'll fill them with courage. I pray that you'll fill them with strength. I pray that the peace that passeth all understanding will just keep their hearts and minds. Lord, I know there's, they're grieving their loved ones who have died. And Lord, they, they need the peace of God. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us every day to pray. Help us to pray for these church planters. Help us to pray for Solomon. And God, I pray that you'll just touch him today, right now, tonight. I pray that you'll touch his heart and touch his mind. I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move in an awesome way. And God will praise you, will thank you. God will give you all the glory, all the honor for all that you do. And Lord, we'll praise you tonight. And tonight, and tonight, speak to us through your word. Speak to us about the end times. And Lord, this, this lesson that we're about to see, and God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. And all God's people say it. Amen. 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 All right. Just find your way carefully, carefully find your way to your seat. And just you can you can be seated wherever you are. Just just be seated and turn to Revelation chapter number thirteen. <clears throat> I 
imagine these numbers. This is what I was told. Ninety percent of all of the Christian martyrs today, in other words, all those that are being killed for their faith across the globe, across the whole planet today, 90% are in northern Nigeria. Now think about that. Let that sink in a minute. Out of all of the martyrs on the whole planet, out of all of the Christians who are giving their life, who are dying for their faith, 90% are in northern Nigeria. That's how many are being killed right now in northern Nigeria. Now listen, this is not, this is not an accident. Matter of fact, as we're going to learn tonight, as we're going to see tonight, we're going to see that wherever, wherever God moves, Satan moves right behind him. And, and listen, it's no, it's no coincidence that we just sent a ton of money there to build a church planning center, a church planning training center in the, in the middle of the heart of darkness. And Satan's going to attack. So they need more than our money. They need our prayers. So how many of y'all will, will, will join me each day and let's pray for Solomon in northern Nigeria. Will you help me with that? Amen. All right. All right. Well, let's start in Revelation chapter number 13. Revelation chapter number 13. Uh, uh, we, we finished up uh, chapter number 12 and we learned about a dragon. We learned about a dragon and who this dragon is. And this dragon has uh, attempted to attack God's people, attack the nation of Israel uh, uh, and this is a continuation. Uh, chapter 13 is a continuation of chapter 12. So here's what, here's what I want you to see. Uh, as we go into this, we see that he is cast out of heaven in chapter number 12. And he, sent that he comes to this earth to wreak havoc on this earth. He knows he has but a short time. That short time is three and a half years, the last half of the tribulation period. And, and so he goes to work to fight against God's people. Now, chapter 13 is the details, all right? He kind of gives, gives you the skeleton in chapter 12, and he puts the meat on it in chapter 13. Does that make sense? All right, he tells you what, what his aim is and what his goal is in chapter 13 are the details about how he's going to get it done. Now, we're going to be introduced to three characters, <clears throat> We're going to be introduced to three characters in this particular chapter. We're going to see the dragon. Uh, we're going to see first beast. There's a beast that's going to come up out of, the, out of the ocean or the sea. And then one that's going to come up out of the land. They come from the abyss, both of them. And so you have the dragon and two beasts. And, and we're going to really deal with these three particular characters and who they are, uh, what, their, what their agenda is upon this earth, and what they're trying to accomplish. And and it's going to be really eye-opening. I promise it's going to be really eye-opening. You're probably going to see things you had never seen before, and it's going to be like, whoo, that makes sense. Now that, that, that clicks right there. So let's, let's just jump right in. Revelation 13 in verse number 1. When you get there, say amen. amen. And I stood upon... Now remember, the last verse, the last verse finds in chapter 12 finds the dragon. And the dragon is attacking the woman who's a type of the nation of Israel. And, and so we move right on into chapter 13. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his head the names of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard, and his feet as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of the heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, and who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months, three and a half years. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name. In his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given unto him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth. And by the way, just throw this in right there. The last time you hear that type phrase, you hear another phrase, unto the churches. Under the churches, but you don't see it here. Why? The church isn't, it is not on the earth at this time. This is just one more example, one more proof that the church is not here. 
All right, verse 10. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns. So now we have one character, the dragon, and then we have the first beast. All right? Then we see the second beast arising in verse, verse number 11. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causes the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. Saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the, name of, uh, or the number of his name, here in his wisdom, let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 603 score. Score is 20, so that'd be 60. 666. Okay, all right. Now, let's go through this. Let's identify, let's identify these three characters in this particular chapter. Uh, what's, the title? what's the title of the lesson? The, say it again. Now, as we go into this study, as we go into this study, there's something I need you to understand, and, and I, you, most of you already know this. You've heard this probably a million times, but Satan has always dreamed about being God. He's always desired to be God. He's always desired worship. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Everything God has, Satan desires, and he wants. God has a trinity. There is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Are y'all with me? Now, the first character we're going to look at is the dragon. And we know who this is. We know who this is, without a doubt. Let's go back and look in chapter number 12. Chapter number 12 in verse number 4. Verse number 4. <clears throat> no, 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 no. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Let's see. Verse 9. Verse 9. I'm, I'm sorry. Verse 9. When you get there, say amen. amen. Chapter 12, verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the and, and Satan. So there's no question. There's no question who this dragon represents. This dragon represents Satan, the devil. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Okay, without a doubt, no brainer. This is the devil. The dragon is the devil. Now, let's look at the second character in this chapter. All right, the second character we find, look in verse number 1, chapter 13, verse 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of the blasphemy. Now, that sounds kind of familiar. That's kind of familiar. Uh, let's go back to chapter 12 in verse 3. All right, let's go back in chapter 12 in verse 3. There appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red. Now, what did that dragon have? Having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? So we have seven heads and ten horns, right? Now let's look at the let's look at this beast that we see, this new person. And I stood upon the sands of the sea, chapter 13, verse 1, and saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, all right? And upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his head the names of blasphemy. So they are almost identical. The only difference is, is one had the, the crowns on the heads, and the other had the crowns on the horns. But they are connected. What do we see here? I read, I'm telling you, I've read five or six different commentaries and one had their opinion about what the horns represent and about what the heads represent and, about, and all this different thing. Here's the one thing you need to get from this. I'm not going to go into all that because it was more confusing than it was enlightening, but here's what I want you to see. They are connected. 
they are closely associated with. In other words, when you see one, you see the other. You see the other. One represents the other. They are completely, closely connected, as, as you used to say, connected at the hip. Now, what did Jesus say? What did Jesus say about him and the Father? Me and the Father are one. All right, so we know the second beast is closely related and associated with, it gives the same description of the dragon here in verse number one. If that makes sense, say amen. Now watch this. It goes into more detail. You remember, remember what I told you before, that a lot of times you will read something in the beginning parts of Revelation and in later chapters will go into greater detail describing what you have read before. So this is what's happening here in chapter number 12. Now watch verse two. And the beast which I saw was like, when you see was like, this is what it appeared to John when he was writing it down, okay? In other words, this is what it appeared to him. It was like, he's, this, is, this is what he sees. He says, I saw was like a leopard, his feet was as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Now, we're going to see a description. You got to understand this. Uh, this is not the only place you find the Antichrist talked about. You will find the Antichrist in Isaiah. You'll find the Antichrist in Daniel. You'll find the Antichrist spoken of by the Lord Jesus in the Gospels. And you'll find the Antichrist talked about by the Apostle Paul. And so we're going to go to Daniel for just a little bit. Just a little bit. Not in great detail because I promise you I don't want to confuse nobody. We're just going to do a little chunk at a time. Say amen. But Daniel wrote about him first. Okay. Daniel is the Old Testament revelation, okay? It is, the, it is the book of prophecy in the Old Testament. So, now, we see this. Look in, look in uh, A. We see the, the dragon is Satan. He's a spirit being. He's imitating the Father. All right? Then the first beast is the Antichrist. He is a possessed man. He is a man, human man. But he's possessed. He's an imitation of the Son. He's the Antichrist. So let's look at our notes. A, we see his description. We see his description. This is A. Now this is a quote. This is a quote. Uh, 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 a quote from Lehman Strauss's book on Revelation. The description of this emerging dictator in verse number 2, namely, likened to a leopard, bear, and lion, compares with the great prophecies of Daniel. King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream in which he saw a great image, and this image's head was of fine gold. His breast and his arms were of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, and his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. This is in Daniel chapter 2, 32 through 33. Now, the four different metals represented four world empires. Underline that. The four different metals represented four different world empires, which were to arise in succession until the second coming of Christ to the earth when he shall rule the world. Christ is the stone cut out without hands in Daniel chapter number two, if you choose to go read that and study that. The name of the four empires in the order of their succession are given. The first is the Babylonian. The second is the Medo-Persian. The third is the Grecian. And the fourth we know to be the Roman. It was the Romans under Titus who in 70 AD destroyed Jerusalem. So you have these four different empires. And, and by the way, the way Daniel wrote them down, he was looking forward to it. So when John wrote it, he was looking back to these different empires. So they're, they're in different order. Isn't that great how, how exactly right the word of God is? Amen? And so he is seeing this. So you have these four major world empires who, as close as any, basically almost ruled the world. Almost. And I use that almost. They came as close as any of them to accomplishing that fact. But none of them, None of them were able to completely rule the world. Now, what, what, what is he saying here? Let's keep reading. <clears throat> the same four kingdoms are depicted in, again in Daniel chapter 7, where they appear as a lion, a bear, and a leopard, and an indescribable monster with iron teeth, or, which we, we know as being Rome. 
The latter represented the feet of iron and clay in Nebuchadnezzar's image. Notice that the beast is a composite of the previous world powers, like a leopard, a bear, and a lion. He combines in himself the abilities and the characteristics of the leaders of the three world empires preceding the Roman, the swiftness of the leopard, the overpowering tyranny of the bear, and the wild ferocity of the lion. In other words, this last dictator and his kingdom is going to be a mixture of all of the world's kingdoms combined that were great. And his will be the greatest. Are y'all, are y'all following me so far? Now here's, let me explain that just a second. Let me explain that before we go forward. God primarily, God primarily worked in this world through the nation of Israel. Is everybody understanding that? The kingdom of Israel, the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, they are God's chosen people. All right? 80% of the Bible is about the Jews, okay, and Jewish in nature and, and Jewish in connection. But they sinned and they rebelled. They disobeyed God and turned from God. And because of that, God turned the basic, I don't want to say the rule of the world, but I guess you could say that, over to the Gentiles. And, and from that point on, it's been the times of the Gentiles. The rule of the Gentiles on this earth, on this planet. Now, this what we are reading and studying right now is the culmination of all of that. It is all, in other words, it's going to be the best that man will ever have to offer. It will be the best that Satan can put together. It's going to be the Gentile nations coming together all in one kingdom, the kingdom of the Antichrist. The last world dictator. He's going to be more powerful than any of them. He's going to be more vicious than any of them. He's going to be more wicked than any of them. He's going to have uh, 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 more strength and ability. He's going to rule the entire world. Gentiles. And here he is. So, this is the Antichrist. Now, as we keep looking, let's keep reading in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, this, this character, this figure, is called the Assyrian in Isaiah 10. He's called the King of Babylon in Isaiah 14. He's called the Little Horn in Daniel 7 and 8. He's called the King of a Fierce Countenance in Daniel 8. The Prince that shall come in Daniel 9. And the Willful King in Daniel 11. Now in the New Testament, he's called the Man of Sin... He's called the son of perdition. He's called that wicked. He's called the Antichrist. And he's called the beast. Okay? This is all referencing the same person. So, with that list that you have, with that list that you have for your homework, if you'd like to do this, if you'd like to go into more detail and and study more information, we don't have the time to do it tonight to go into every one of these, but if you'd like to do that at home, there's your... There's your text right there. You could go to each of these and study more about that. All right, now, we see his description. But then B, look at this, his death. Look at his death. The Bible says this, And I saw, verse 3, And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Now, here's, here's something that may help us understand. Here's something that may help us understand. Uh, I read this in one of the articles. Uh, this political figure, this political figure, the Antichrist, he's been on the scene for three and a half years. Okay? But he, he wasn't revealed as the beast till Satan was cast out. And at that time is when Satan either entered him or possessed him with a, a demon to the point that everything changes. Because if you'll remember, he begins as a political figure of peace. He comes as an angel of light. He comes as the world hero. Because you've got to understand, this world is going to be in an upheaval. This world is going to be in a chaotic situation. It's going to be lacking food. It's going to be lacking everything that, that, that is needed for normal, everyday life. And, and so this world is going to be looking for somebody, looking for a hero. 
And, and he is a political figure until the three and a half years. Satan is cast out and he begins his ravaging, his ravaging agenda against God's people. And now he's called the beast. And he shows himself as a beast. He shows his cruelty. He shows his viciousness. He shows his bloodthirstiness at the three and a half year mark. Now he's the beast. Okay? But he's wounded. He's wounded. He's, he's, he's now... I, I read some disagreements. I read some disagreements on this. Uh, this is, but this is what the world is going to know. All right? He's been killed, and he will be resurrected. It's a wound unto death. But there's going to be a miracle take place, and he's going to come back to life. Now, one, one biblical scholar believed that this is just a staged event. This is a, because it's the deception. He is a liar. Satan is the father of all lies, and he's going to come with great delusion, as it said in 2 Thessalonians, and he's going to deceive the world, and this is one of the deceptions. But either way, either way, whether it, it actually happens or it's a staged event to deceive, the world is going to think that he has died and he has come back. Now, I've, I, I read some that, that went as far as to say they believe that he was Judas come back from the dead, that G, to, that Satan is going to bring him back from the dead and it's going to be Judas because he was the only other person named son of perdition. Now, that's all speculation. And, and that, that I don't think that can be proven. But the point is this. What we can prove is that the world is going to think he has come back from the dead. Now, you got to understand, this is happening at the same time that God has two witnesses who are preaching the gospel and preaching against the Antichrist and preaching against his movement and everything that's happened to him. But he's going to be wounded, okay? In the world's eyes, they're going to see him. He's going to be wounded. Look what it says. And the, and the, and the difficulty here is where it says, and I saw one of his heads as it were, as it were. So it's going to appear, it's going to appear that he has a death wound. But the wound, it says, it says, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. In other words, they're in awe. Wow. Look at this. Somebody's actually come back from the dead. Imagine. Imagine. And what, look what happens. Look what happens. Verse number four. And they worshiped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? You can't even kill this guy. You can't even kill him. Look what kind of power he has. But watch this. Did you catch, did you catch what the wording was? Look what it says. And they, talking about the unbelieving, the unbelieving people on the planet, and they worshiped who? The dragon. The dragon. The dragon. And then it says, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshiped the beast. Now look, look. In the, in, the, in the people's eyes, they're worshiping this hero. They're worshiping this political figure. But by worshiping this political figure, they're really worshiping Satan. Now, where do we see that? Well, we see that in India. We see that in Bangladesh. We see that in, in Japan. We see that in places where they're bowing down to idols. And they think they're bowing down to their God, but they're really worshiping Satan. You could put, if you would like, you could put and put that verse beside it, his deception. His deception. Satan, the dragon, is finally getting his worship. He's finally getting what he's desiring. <clears throat> then we see his destruction. Look at the next verse. He's so arrogant. He's so arrogant. He opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. He's cussing God. He's cussing anyone that believes in God. He's cussing those that are already in heaven. 
Verse 7 says, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. In other words, what Alexander the Great tried to do, what Xerxes tried to do, what, as far as that goes, what Hitler and Stalin tried to do, what all the dictators in the past have tried to do, in other words, rule the world, he's going to be able to. He's going to have power. Who's the prince of the power of the air? Who's the god of this world? Satan is giving him this. Watch this. Watch this. This is just, just a commercial. Satan told Jesus, if you will bow down to me, I'll give you what? All the kingdoms of the world. What Satan, or excuse me, what Christ refused, the Antichrist accepts. Now keep in mind, he's a human. He's demon-influenced and Satan-influenced, but he's still a human. And he receives what Satan offered Jesus and Jesus refused. All the kingdoms of this world. All the nations will bow to him. All the nations will surrender to him. All the nations of this world will submit to his authority and his power and his reign and his rule on this earth. All right? How many of y'all would agree that that would cause somebody to be arrogant? Look at his destruction. He goes to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Now, really, I should have put D at C, but... Write this down, his duration, and I want to come back to his destruction. So put his duration. It's only going to last three and a half years. Son, you better enjoy it while it lasts because it ain't going to last long. It says in verse number five, and there was given unto him. In other words, he can't do nothing but what, what he's been allowed to. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue, how long? Forty and two months. All right, so he has a limited time, a limited space, okay? Now, let's go back to destruction. Look what it says in verse 7. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given unto him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundations of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Now, what does that mean? It means this. Nobody's going to have a prayer against them. There are, there are people that are putting food away and they're, they're putting weapons away and they're building a little militia and getting a compound somewhere and they think they're going to be able to withstand the power of the Antichrist. And what he's saying here is you may capture a few government officials, but you're going to be captured. You may, you may kill and defend yourself against some of the forces of the Antichrist and his armies, and he's going to have them. He's going to have a united force, but you're not going to, you're not going to win. And what he's saying is you just trust God and be patient. Now, you don't need to know that or you don't need to worry about that because you're a trusting Christ today. This is for the believers of the tribulation period. Are y'all with me? He is telling them, just hold on. Don't fight back. Don't try to withstand because you're not going to withstand. You're going to need the patience, the patience of the saints. Are y'all with me? Say amen. In other words, he's going to have power. He's going to have power, and he's going to kill, and he's going to slaughter at random, okay? So, he's, we see his destruction. It's going to last 42 months. 42 months. Now, let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. Verse 10 tells us that he may take your life, but he'll never take your faith. Say amen. Now John sees another beast. He said, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. 
and he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causes the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. So let's stop there a minute and let's identify this guy. Okay, the first beast is who? No, the Antichrist. Who is Satan? The dragon. The dragon, all right? The dragon is Satan, all right? He's an imitation of the father. The first beast is the Antichrist. He's the Antichrist. He is a possessed man. He's human, okay? Satan is a spirit being. He can't do anything on this earth without a human body. That's why they entered, those demons entered men, and then, and then they couldn't do anything. They said, let us go into those swine, and they went into the swine, and the swine went violently down and drowned themselves. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So he has to have a man to, to accomplish his bidding here on this earth. He's a possessed man. He's a type or an imitation. He's an imitation of the sun. Now, the third beast is called the false prophet. Write that down. The false prophet. <clears throat> He's called that three different times. Revelation 16, 13, Revelation 19, 20, and Revelation 20, verse 10. It's right there in your notes. Revelation 16, 13 says, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. False prophet. Revelation 19, 20. And the beast was taken, and with him the false that wrought miracles before him, with which with he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive. They were cast alive. In other words, they were human. They're living beings. They're human. Cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. Revelation 20, verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast, which is the Antichrist, and the false prophet. So you have all three. In all three of these verses, you have all three. You have Satan, the beast. Anytime you see the beast, that's, that's talking about the Antichrist. Okay? Then the false prophet. So you have three. Satan, the dragon, is a type or an imitation of God the Father. The Antichrist is an imitation of God the Son. And the false prophet is an imitation of God the Holy Spirit. Now let's watch it and look at his activity. Let's look what he does. Let's look what he does. By the way, Jesus warned about this guy. Jesus warned him in Matthew chapter number 24. He said, for there shall arise false Christ, that's the Antichrist, and false prophets. Now, what will they do? Shall show great signs and wonders insomuch, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. In other words, he's going to be good. It's going to be good. Now, watch what he does. Look in verse number, let's look in verse number 12. Verse number 12. And by the way, he's human too. He's not a spirit being. He is, I believe he is possessed I believe he's possessed. I, I believe he's demonically influenced and empowered because the dragon gives them the power. He exercises the same power as the Antichrist does, but he's still a human being, okay? It says in verse number 12, and he exercises all the power of the first beast before him. Now watch what he does. And he causes the earth and them that dwell therein to the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. In other words, in his ministry. Now you could, you could kind of say it this way. You could kind of say it this way. The first beast, which is the Antichrist, is a political figure. The second beast, which is the false prophet, is a religious figure. It is amazing how all through history of mankind, politics and religion go hand in hand. And watch this. Politicians throughout mankind's history has always used religion to control the people and have the politicians way. Anyway, y'all can't handle that yet. But you can believe it. 
You can, you can say, I'm going to put you in prison if you don't pay your taxes. And pe people still don't pay their taxes. But you can say, we're going to excommunicate you. And, and, and you can no longer go to heaven, you're going to hell. And people will do whatever you tell them to do. And politicians have been using religion for ages to control people. It'll be no different here. The false prophet will point. That's A. I think A. Is that A or B? Yes, A. He points. Write that down, and I'll explain it. I'll explain it. He causes the unbelievers on this planet, he's pointing them to the Antichrist. Worship him. Follow him. Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he amazing? Isn't he the greatest thing that's ever was? He uses his sway and his influence to get people to love the Antichrist. Let me ask you a question. What does the Holy Spirit do? He points you to Jesus. He influences you to follow Jesus. He tells you how wonderful Jesus is, how awesome Jesus is. He points everyone to Jesus. It was the Holy Spirit that led you and wooed you to Jesus. It was the Holy Spirit who convinced you when you were given the Word of God and you were given the, 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 the gospel of Christ. It was the Holy Spirit that convinced you it was right. And the Holy Spirit pointed you to Jesus. The false prophet is imitating the Holy Spirit. He's pointing people. He's another human but he's bragging on the human, the human of all humans, the man of all men. Are y'all with me? Say amen. He points. But number two, write this down. Write this down. He calls us the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And by the way, by the way, let's go back to that. Hang on a minute. Just let's throw this in. What happened to Jesus on the cross? It's not a trick question. What happened? He died. What happened on the third day? So he died and came back to life. The Antichrist is wounded with a deadly wound, but... Are y'all seeing this? And now you got a guy pointing to that. Look what happened to him. Look how powerful he is. Look how mighty he is. You, hey, he's alive. He's causing the world to worship the one who had died and yet lives. Are y'all with me? Now watch, watch what happens. He not only points, but he performs. It says, <clears throat> verse 13, And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwelleth on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. In other words, mankind. Now, now keep in mind, Keep in mind, all of this is going on at the same time that the two witnesses are ministering. Okay, it's the same block of time, the same 42 months, the same three and a half years. So, so in Jerusalem, you got two of God's men who are sealed and preserved and they're preaching the gospel and they're, they're causing miracles to happen. They're shutting up rain and they're, they're y'all with me? And they have the power of Elijah. And they have, they have the power to bring plagues. But then over here, you have the Antichrist and his, his prophet. And his prophet has power too. His prophet does miracles too. Now watch this, watch this. The first thing that it says that he can do, and the, really the only miracle that's described, is he has power to do what? Say it again call fire down hmm wait a minute wait a minute who 
who is the nation of Israel right now? Who is the nation of Israel right now looking for? Nope. They're waiting on him, but that's not who they're looking for. You got to understand, they don't believe in the New Testament. Nope, nope, nope. Stop. What's the end of the Old Testament? Thank you. The end of the Old Testament is Malachi. What does it say at the end of Malachi? Before the Messiah, I'm going to send Elijah. I'm going to come over here. They're not getting with me. (laughs) All right. Now, Satan is after God's people, right? He's wanting to deceive God's people into making them think he's it. He wants Satan the dragon, wants God's people to think the Antichrist, his human, right? That he's the Messiah. So who did God tell, who did God tell the nation of Israel he was going to send before the Messiah showed up? Elijah. Now who is the only other person that I can, I can think, there may be another one because I might have missed it, but I think the only person that's ever called fire down from heaven is who? So Satan gives this false prophet the same ability that Elijah had on Mount Carmel. Now we know he can do it. Now before you say, oh, Satan can't do that. Be careful. Be careful. He did it in Job's case. Go read Job. He did it there. So what's he trying to do? He's trying to imitate and deceive God's people into thinking this is Elijah. But he's a false prophet. Do you see how this all ties together? Satan is a liar. He is the father of lies. Listen, he he is deceptive. He's an angel of light. He works by deception. He works by trickery. And he's he's gonna convince this world that the Messiah is the one. He's the one. Then he's gonna have a prophet, a false prophet, pointing everybody to him. It's going to be, and he's going to create a religion. He's going to create a religion. Now, I don't have the time to go show you all the verses, but you're going to see that he's going to, he's going to come into the temple and he's going to break this truce and break the treaty with Israel and he's going to make them stop offering their animal sacrifices. I'm getting ahead of myself. I got to hurry, got to hurry. See, we see he points, he performs, he can do miracles, he can do wonders. The people are blown away on this planet, they just can't believe. Then he persecutes. Watch what he does. Verse 15. Verse 15, when you get there, say amen. And he had power to give life unto the image. Oh, back up. Verse 14. Verse 14. He deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them, watch what he tells them, he he commands them to do, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. So what does he do? He said, man, this guy's so great. This guy's so awesome. He's the greatest human that's ever lived. He's the, he, we should love him. We should adore him. We should worship him. We need to set up an image of him. So they set up an image, a statue, if you will. And I believe they put it there in, in Jerusalem. Put it there on the temple grounds. It's just like Nebuchadnezzar. You remember when he built an image and said everybody bow down and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wouldn't bow down? Set up an image, now let's worship him. And he has the kind of power. He has the kind of power to make the image come alive. 
This image is going to be animated. It's going to move. And it's going to, can you imagine? What if you was at a statue revealing? And they pull the sheet off the statue and you're admiring this statue of this great figure, this political figure, and all of a sudden it begins to move and speak. That's how powerful this is going to be. And so he causes the world to worship and bow down to this image. And Satan is having a time because he's behind all of it. And he causes them to bow down and worship this image. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop there. Watch what it says, verse 15. And he had power to give life into the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. What did Nebuchadnezzar say if you didn't bow down and worship at his image? He's going to throw you in the fiery furnace. So it's worship or die. Worship or die. Okay? And he calls us all. Now how are we going to control this? How are we going to make sure everybody gets in our, our religion? No more, no more Muslims, no more Christians, no more Hindus, no more Buddhists. Let's just all be one. This is, do, you know what, do you know what they're posting right now on social media? That religion is the cause of every war, war in the world. Now, we know that's not true. We know it's lust and desire, according to the book of James. But guess what they're doing? They're setting the stage for the Antichrist. Listen, religions are the cause of all wars, so why don't we just get rid of all and just make? And we'll make sure they all get in it. Because you know how stubborn people are. You can ask people to get in something, but that don't mean they will, but he's going to make sure. Now, how's he going to make sure? How is he going to make sure every single person gets to be a member of the Antichrist church and bow and worship demons? Watch what he does. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast, or the num number of his name, here in his wisdom, let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, three score, and six. What does that mean? That means this. We're going to look at one more verse on your notes, so don't turn them off for me. He's saying, we've got to make sure they all do this. We've got to make sure we have control over the whole world. So we're going to give them a mark. Everybody has to have one. You cannot buy and you cannot sell without this mark. Now, what does that mean? You can't live. You got to be able to buy or sell. You got to be able to work or, or provide a living. You got to be able to eat. Are y'all with me? And so he's going to control that. So if you don't have this mark, you can't buy and you can't sell. So this is forcing every human being. Now, we know there's going to be people that says, we're not doing this. We are not doing this. Well, if you refuse, you'll be executed. Turn to Revelation chapter 20 real quick. Well, you don't have to. I put it in your notes. I forgot. Revelation 20 verse 4. And I saw the thrones and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, for the word of God, and, that, and which had not worshipped the, neither his, neither had received his upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. What does that mean? The mode of death is going to be a guillotine. Or sword, but it will be beheading. So what, according to Revelation 20, verse 4. You see, this prophet is, is slick. He knows that people 
are not going to want to do this. All people. Some people are going to be so deceived, they're going to just fall down and think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. They won't have no problem. Put a, put a mark, put a barcode, a uh, 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 chip, whatever. We don't know what it is. You know, people are speculating. We don't know what it is. Don't argue with anybody over stuff like that. But they're going to have some kind of mark where they cannot buy and they cannot sell without it. And, and so... They're going to control, but people are going to refuse. And if you refuse, it's automatic death. Now, now, so let's 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 do a, a, a review. Let's just make it real simple. Let's just what's going to happen? The political figure Antichrist. He's going to be a hero. He's going to be seen as a hero. In the first three and a half years of the tribulation period, there's going to be awful, awful natural disasters take place. There's going to be awful judgments come upon this earth from God, and there's going to be chaos, okay? A political figure will step forward, and he'll have the answer to everything. He'll have the answer to peace in the Middle East. He will be the friend of Israel. He, they think they think he's going to be the best friend they've ever had, and, and, and they're going to sign a treaty, and, and now they can, we can restore our worship. We can have our temple, and, and, and we, can, we can go back to being the way it used to be. And there's going to be such an interest in the Messiah and all of that's going to be restored in Israel. Well, when Satan is kicked out of heaven at the three and a half year mark, he comes with a raging fury. And he, he uh, whether he incarnates himself in the Antichrist as he did Judas, because the Bible says he entered into Judas, whether that or he just possesses him with a demon, He's influencing him. He is a puppet master with the Antichrist. Him and the Antichrist are one, if you will. Does that make sense? Say amen. He's going to be wounded some way or another, whether it's a political assassination attempt, whatever it might be, he's going to be wounded unto death. The world is going to think he's died and going to see that he's died, but somehow there's a miracle, whether it's a false prophet that does it or whatever, there's a miracle. He comes back to life, and it's going to blow the world away. This is what the devil's going to use to try to deceive the world. That this is truly a Messiah. He is the Messiah. He's the one you've been waiting on. He's the opposite, the imitation of Jesus. All right? Then he's going to have a human prophet. He's going to have a human religious figure who is pointing everybody and telling everybody how wonderful this, this Messiah is, how wonderful this Antichrist is, how wonderful this man. He's a friend to all. He's here to help. He's here to bless. Look how great he is. Look how wonderful he is. Man, let's set up a statue. Let's honor him. Let's set up an image and let's bow down and worship. Let's bow down and worship. Matter of fact, let's just make sure we all have to. Let's just make one world religion and just make us all together and he enforces a mark. You can't buy or sell under penalty of death. And... God's people are going to be killed. Two-thirds of the Jewish people are going to die. And there's going to be people that give their life for the cause of Christ, people that have trusted Christ during the tribulation period, and they're going to be beheaded for the, for the cause. By, by the way, this is nothing new. There were tons and tons of believers that were beheaded during the reign of ISIS. And that, now think about this, that was a small, how, how many of y'all remember when all that was going on? Wasn't that making you sick to your stomach? To see the atrocities and see the beheadings and see, that is a drop in the bucket compared to the reign of the Antichrist. But thank God for the grace of God and the Lord's salvation today. Now, here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. In a crowd this size, there's probably somebody that don't know Jesus in here. And I want to do this. If I could have some altar workers, if I could have some altar workers, just a couple of them stand on that side, and, and, and if I have any on this side, Brother, Brother John, will you, you stand on that side? Here's what I want to do. I want them to show you how to be saved. They can take a Bible right now. They can take a Bible right now. We're going to pray. And, and, and dismiss, yes, you can go over there too, yeah. And, and what we're going to do, everybody else, everybody else, when, 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 when we pray, when we pray, uh, Brother Jalen, if you can have some soft music, uh, we're going to quietly dismiss. 
so we don't interrupt. And if you need to trust Christ, if you need to trust Christ, you can miss all this. You can miss all this, every, all of this we're talking about. There's no need, there's no reason whatsoever for you to go through it because Jesus will save you tonight. Amen. He will give you a home in heaven. He'll give you an assurance of your salvation tonight. And one of these guys, gentlemen for gentlemen, ladies for ladies, they'll take a Bible and show you how. Wouldn't that be great, amen? amen. Well, let's do this. Let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. And, and, and by the way, we're not going to be loud. We're not going to be rambunctious. We're going to be respectful and quiet and, and just let, let, let people, whoever need to make decisions, can make decisions tonight. And matter of fact, you pray for those that need to make decisions. All right? Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the privilege of studying and, and learning and growing. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to, to just trust you tonight.